Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business. About their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at plemonscpa.com. We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. Welcome to the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business. I am your hostess, Thalia Williams. We are proudly sponsored by Pontum Financial, connecting your financial dots. Today in the studio, we have Mr. Larry Hobbs. We're going to be talking today about discrimination, harassment, and diversity. This is the last component of our HR series for this season. So welcome again, Larry. Thank you very much, Thalia. It's uh, my pleasure to be here and to talk about this very important subject. Undoubtedly, because now in this day and age, all of these topics are critical in the workplace. It's always been critical, but now even more so. So today, give me an idea about the major U.S. laws that are regulating discrimination. Uh, believe it or not, every everybody knows about the Civil Rights Act of 1964, but actually the first one was the Equal Pay Act of 1963. It seems like pay was the biggest issue more so than other forms of discrimination. It used to be that in general, men made more than women in performing exactly the same job in the same conditions in the same business. Wow. It hasn't changed much. Uh, well, it actually has quite a bit. Uh, the reason for that, by the way, uh, started uh, centuries ago, and it was the old uh, customary belief that men supported their family, and so they needed to make more money than a woman who was arbitrarily and unnecessarily working outside the home. Uh, you know, that woman should be home taking care of those kids and cooking and doing laundry and taking care of the house uh, was the belief. But the uh, Civil Rights Act of 1964 uh, has has done a lot towards changing that. And I still hear this argument that men make more than women, but there are a lot of reasons for that. And uh, I, that would be another discussion for another day to get into why that's uh, always going to be true. Part of it is childbearing, interruption to careers. But back to the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that really started the anti-discrimination and anti-harassment uh, regulations, what most people don't know about the Civil Rights of 64 uh, was that it, it was not only about employment, but it, it sought to eliminate and regulate harassment and discrimination in banking, in housing, in public transportation, in where people could eat a meal, like in the restaurants, and it addressed uh, an education also. So the Civil Rights Act of 64 was not just about discrimination at work, but all of those other areas that I just mentioned. So it's very, very significant. Uh, today, I'll limit my uh, discussion to uh, discrimination, harassment, and diversity. 
at work. The other major uh, regulations that came about uh, to prevent discrimination uh, happened uh, in a 30-year period between 1963 and 1993. Of course, the Equal Pay Act, the Civil Rights Act, age discrimination in employment came in 1967. The Pregnancy Discrimination Act, 1978, Americans with Disabilities Act, 1990, and the Family Medical Leave Act, uh, providing unpaid leave of absence up to 12 weeks uh, under under qualifying circumstances, came in 1993. Wow, that has been a lot of laws put on the books for the employment as well as for just life in general. The challenge always is as an employer, understanding what is discrimination and what is, you know, diversity. But let's talk a little bit about what is a hostile work environment because those laws that you put in place seem to be or have the ability to provide some sort of delineation in the workplace that could cause a hostile work environment. Uh, Yes, it's important to understand that this uh, idea of creating uh, intimidating intimidation at work or a hostile work environment. But let's let's be clear about this. Uh, the only things that are covered in the regulations are race, color, national origin, age, sex, gender, religion, and disability. And I've had many people as an HR manager over the years, they would come in to me to file a complaint of discrimination. I say, okay, what's the problem? They say, well, my boss yelled at me. It's not covered by the regulation. Mm. It's sort of like you can discriminate against violin players. Mm. If you don't like violin players, there's no regulation protecting violin players. There's no regulation protecting anyone from a supervisor that's not a very good supervisor and and yells in your face or embarrasses you in front of other people. These discrimination and harassment claims or problems must be related to race, national origin, age, sex, religion, or disability. Uh, I've even had people uh, tell me that uh, uh, somebody looked at me cross-eyed and it upset me. So I, I think that that created a hostile work environment. And, and my answer is, you know, many, many things at work bother us. For instance, I don't like working around people that have a body odor. It's not protected. You can't say, well, I'm, I'm bothered. I can't work. This is a hostile uh, work environment because the person next to me smells bad. Mm. It's not covered under the regulation. And same as smoking, by the way. Uh, it is completely legal to uh, discriminate against smokers because there's no regulation that says otherwise. Mm. Wow, this is enlightening. So you gave a definition of what discrimination is and what it covers. So tell us about the reasonable person standard. Well, I I also skipped over your other question on the hostile work environment. A hostile work environment uh, means that that, uh, somebody is is bothering you to the point. Now, remember, just, just because you're bothered, doesn't mean it's illegal. Hmm. Might be inappropriate. 
like I said, uh, you know, I had a, I've I've had cases before where someone uh, is sick and they have a bad cold and they're they're coughing and spitting into their trash can next to another worker and they come and say, you know, this this I'm I'm uncomfortable. Well, I'll go talk to that person about possibly having a contagious disease, seeking medical treatment, and going home for a few days. But it's not illegal, and there's no protection against that. So again, every time a person is bothered at work does not mean that it's within the realm of the law. Uh, Hostile work environment really means an unwelcome behavior by somebody else, uh, such as physical touching, demands for or requests for sex or sexual contact, uh, bragging about sexual activity. I don't know about the ladies uh, because I'm a guy, but I know guys like to stand around in a small group and talk about, hey, guess what I did in high school or guess what I did last Saturday night. It's like fantasies are free, but you're not allowed to express those uh, in in, a, in mixed company because you could uh, be offending somebody and that could create a hostile work environment. Uh, facial or hand gestures, and we all know what those are, posting of sexual material. This harassment or discrimination can be physical, it can be visual, or it can be written. Mm. So we have to be very careful. And I give this speech uh, to audiences quite often. Uh, remember that when you get out of your car and you go into work, you are entering a controlled environment. It's not unrealistic for them to control certain aspects of your behavior. They tell you when to come, when to eat lunch, when to drink coffee, when to punch a clock. They tell you what to wear, such as uniforms or dress codes. And so it's not uh, it's not unreasonable to expect them also to control other aspects of your behavior, and that's really what it's all about. Wow. That's interesting because some people look at a hostile environment where there's energy and tension in the environment with attitudes and behaviors and people aren't speaking to one another or a boss is really mean and micromanage and things like that. That is a hostile work environment, but it's not covered by the laws that are on the books which makes a big difference and understanding that from an employee as well as an employer standpoint can make a huge difference in how you operate your business and your culture. Uh, and the success or profit of the business. If it's a for-profit business, you know, uh, having good supervisors, good management, uh, good policies and procedures uh, and good people lead to the success of your business. So if you allow uh, a supervisor, for instance, or even employees to provide uh, bad management or bad customer service, you're harming your own business. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though it's outside of a regulation, you still want to address that, uh, that complaint or that problem uh, in order to improve uh, customer relations and employee relations within the business. Uh, you also asked me about the reasonable person standard. This, this comes up because people ask me questions uh, when I teach uh, seminars on harassment, discrimination, and diversity. And they say, well, so-and-so did this to me. Does that create a hostile work environment? Well, let me give you a couple of examples. If I tell you I'm sitting here across from you in the studio and I say, I really like those red framed eyeglasses you have. 
okay, well, I'm, I'm judging your looks or part of your looks. Am I creating a hostile work environment? Or if I come up to an employee that I work with and I pat her on the back and I say, we're really proud of the job you've been doing and uh, we're giving you a $25 gift certificate for being an outstanding employee, I touched her. Is that illegal? So we get back to, well, what's reasonable? And the reasonable woman standard or the reasonable person standard is what would a judge think is outside of the realm of reasonable? Uh, What would a jury think? What would your grandmother think? What would your sister, your wife, or your husband, uh, would they say that it's unreasonable for me to pat you on the back and to shake your hand in congratulations? Now, if there are other body parts of a female that I touch, okay, out of bounds. But there are certain things that uh, a man, usually it's a man harassing the woman, uh, but not always. Uh, The regulation covers women harassing women, men harassing men, uh, and men harassing women. It works all four ways. Uh, They're all protected from harassment or discrimination. But uh, there's a little statement that comes out of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. It says, uh, this act does not proscribe or eliminate all conduct of a sexual nature in the workplace. In determining whether harassment is sufficiently severe or pervasive to create a hostile work environment, the harasser's conduct should be evaluated from the objective standpoint of a reasonable person. That's mm. in the regulation. Title Seven does not serve as a vehicle for vindicating the petty slights suffered by the hypersensitive. Mm. It's very, very clear. So what it's saying in essence, in, in, in other words, another way it's written – that, that I have in front of me, the law does not require that all conduct at work be totally inoffensive to everyone. Whether or not unwelcome behavior amounts to sexual harassment is judged on a reasonable person standard. And by the way, I, I need to add at this uh, juncture, when uh, uh, at this point, when you talk about sexual harassment, it, it covers the other five areas of protection. You cannot harass people on the basis of their national origin, their race, their age, their gender, which we're talking about, uh, their religion, or their disability. So uh, you really uh, should not ever discuss in a public way or ask questions or make jokes or laugh at or point at or in any way treat people differently at work because of race, national origin, age, sex, religion, or disability. Uh, Those topics have nothing to do with your job and can in fact get you in trouble. And then the other thing that I have to add is that the the Civil Rights Act and the other regulations apply to employers and equally to employees. Mm. It's not just the employer can't discriminate or harass employees or or uh, applicants, but the employees themselves are prohibited from 
harassing or discriminating against other employees. And a lot of the employees have never heard that. They think, well, this is all about uh, getting a job or this is about getting equal pay from the employer. But these regulations apply to the employer and to the employees and to outside people like vendors. The employer is supposed to provide a safe and healthy, hostile-free place to work, no matter where that hostility is coming from. Wow, that's fascinating because most employees don't look at it that way or, like you said, weren't aware of it. They are familiar with if there is some unwanted attention between them, between, you know, a peer potentially, but usually it's supervisor to employee versus employee to employee, though it does happen. We know that just in the workplace. But the challenge always becomes how do they report it? How do they convince someone that it was unwanted? Because I know sometimes with women, they're challenged by, okay, well, this is my boss or this is a peer. How do I, I don't want to get them in trouble, but I'm not comfortable with it. That's that hostile environment. But how can they make sure that they're not hypersensitive? You brought up uh, really two or three important points. Uh, One is that harassment I would say at least 50% of the cases are not about the employer or management or a supervisor harassing an employee. It's about one employee harassing or discriminating against another employee. The employees themselves can file complaints against each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing you mentioned was the process, and that is that we, we, we're supposed to have written policies at work. There's not a law that says you are, but the Supreme Court says that a natural defense against these complaints is if the employer has a written policy, if they have trained their employees, they must take every complaint seriously They must investigate immediately every complaint, and they must take corrective or remedial action. If the employer does those five things, it involves the employees. And so the employees get that training, and they're also told in that training, if you feel like you're the victim from the employer or from another employee or from an outsider, The process is to immediately report it to the company. The company has a right to learn about this first in order to try to remedy the situation before an employee seeks an attorney or seeks the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is a federal agency, or seeks the Texas Commission on Human Rights, which is the state equivalent of the EEOC. Mm. So we want to train the employees on what is it, what do you do about it, and what are we going to do about it. In a harassing situation, why is impact more important than intent? Well, if if we don't look at the impact as being more important than the intent, we could, uh, when we receive a complaint, uh, say a, an employee comes to the supervisor and says, "Well, old Joe uh, is is sexually harassing me," 
or, or whatever it is, race, national origin, age, sex, religion, or disability, you know, the supervisor could very easily say, well, you know, old Joe, you know how he is. He's just joking around. Why don't you just kind of go back to work and, and forget about this? Joe's intentions may have been honorable or a little less than honorable or a joke or a misunderstanding, but the regulation says that it is the impact that it has. We always look at the feeling or the impact of the victim. How did they interpret that? Because if we just look at the uh, at the intention of the aggressor, ninety uh, percent of the time they're just going to say, "I didn't mean it," or "I'm sorry." Uh, can we just forget about it? Mm-hmm. That's a challenge because that hypersensitivity wording in the regulation makes it kind of difficult for some, if they understand the regulation, to say or step up and admit I'm being harassed or I'm being challenged. And because the employer is supposed to know what the rules and regulations says, but someone who's mm, relatively savvy or listens to this podcast, well, you know, I'm feeling a certain kind of way and this has happened to me, so maybe I should report it. You know, how do you determine that level of seriousness? But even if it's hypersensitivity, it still needs to be investigated if it's brought to the attention of the supervisor. That's right. We've we've, we've had about 60 years now to figure this out. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, uh, this hostile action uh, has some definitions to it. And uh, I'll, I'll just tell you what those are. First of all, uh, when some sort of uh, harassment or discrimination is reported to the company, uh, the first thing we'll look at is the frequency of the conduct. Did it just happen one time or is it pervasive? Does it happen more than once? Uh, is it widespread throughout the organization? Are a lot of people doing this? We, we look at that frequency. And then the second thing is we look at the severity. How private was it? Uh, how personal was it? And like I used the example before, I can shake your hand or pat you on the back and that's probably reasonable if I had a, a reason to do that. Uh, other other forms of touching would be unreasonable. And then uh, the third thing, we have the frequency of contact. We have the severity. How serious was it? And then was it physically threatening, humiliating, or intimidating? And those would be things like uh, blocking for instance, you and I might be in an office and you get up to leave. You're a female. I'm a male. You get up to leave and I jump in front of you and I say, no, I'm not finished yet. Well, that's right next to kidnapping. Mm. I mean, you have a right to walk wherever mm. you want and I'm blocking you. That's a very serious offense. And it's those sorts of things, whether it's threatening, humiliating or intimidating. And then, and then the last criteria, does it interfere with your work performance? And you've kind of led me back to the hypersensitive. Some people, uh, not just men, uh, but men and women, not just women, but men and women, uh, they're super sensitive. Uh, they get offended easily. Uh, they file a lot of complaints, and we look into those, and we find out that 
it really wasn't that aggressive or it wasn't out of line. And so we get back to what's reasonable. The reasonable person standard asks these three questions. What would a mature adult say is reasonable? Keyword mature? A mature adult, yeah. Uh, what would a judge or a jury say if it ever got that far? That will be the standard of conduct. Hmm. It's what is acceptable in normal, everyday interaction between people and between adults. True enough. And you know, there are some people who communicate with their hands. They they have to touch or do something physically with their hands. Training is key to understand what a new supervisor can and cannot do. Same way with employees, you know, when you first get hired in, there's this training book and so on and so forth. But a lot of times you're just overwhelmed by the fact that you got the job and you got hired. And now, okay, now I've got this training. And some training is like you say, 45 minutes. Other trainings are a week. Depends on the company and what role you have. But understanding your personality and then the culture of the company will help a lot with better being um, more sensitive to what you're supposed to do versus what you want to do or what the what you used to do at your old job. Of course, and and every every job has its own culture and its own environment. And uh, maybe it, maybe if you're a, a forklift operator or a welder or a construction worker, that culture might be different than working in a CPA's office for instance. And uh, maybe the language is different. The clothing would be different. The air you breathe would be different. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at that. Uh, The first thing to consider, is it unwelcome? Now, there will always be flirting at work. There will always be guys and gals flirting with someone that they're attracted to. That happens at church. It happens at school. It happens at work. And every other meeting that ever takes place, mm-hmm. there will be flirting, and I don't think the employer can stop that. Uh, they have rules against what they call, what we call office romance, uh, which could be discriminatory if the two people that are romancing each other are given uh, uh, special treatment that other people are not giving. Well, then those other people have a right of discrimination claim. Mm-hmm. Because they see this favored person getting away with uh, not working and getting other privileges. You have to ask yourself, would it be okay if this behavior is published in the newspaper? Or if it comes out over the news, would the public accept that and say, well, yeah, it was reasonable. It doesn't sound like it. Uh, this person should be complaining. Uh, does the behavior offend or hurt other members of the work group? And that would be the case uh, if on all of these, race, national origin, age, sex, religion, and disability, if there are other people that fall into those protected classes, if you offend one with this kind of behavior or language, uh, there might be other people also offended. So you have to look at that. And then could someone misinterpret the behavior as being intentionally harmful, inappropriate, or harassing? So we we look at all the circumstances. And then there's one other thing that comes into play. I've had people come in to complain and say, I, I just wanted to uh, tell you this, uh, but I don't want anyone else to know. Don't take any action on this. 
and let's just keep it between you and me. Well, actually, the employer is obligated. If the employer knows or should have known that this behavior, uh, inappropriate behavior, was occurring, they must, under the regulation, take it seriously, initiate an investigation, and take corrective action. It's not possible uh, to keep it a secret. When people tell me I don't want anyone else to know, my answer is, well, we're going to uh, launch an investigation. We're going to look for witnesses. Uh, Your supervisor needs to be told. And anybody else that's involved in this, uh, we're going to ask a few other employees that work around this aggressor, uh, whether they, we're not going to tell them about you, or we're going to ask these other people, have you been harassed or discriminated against in these certain ways? And so I'm sorry, but you've turned in a complaint and we will act on it as an employer. Chris, tell us a little bit about investing in the market. Well, as with everything that you hear on any different channel, you're going to have to deal with the market and how you invest in it by talking to a proper professional. So we get a lot of questions revolving around interest rates, what's going to happen with the stock market, what's going to happen with lending, what's going to happen with bonds, what's going on overseas, the geopolitical world. And it's always important because things can change at a moment's notice to make sure that you're in tune with your financial planner. So come and talk to us about it. If you have questions, we're a great resource. We're more than happy to just answer questions for you whenever you have questions as being a resource for all the business owners out there. So, Chris, how can we get a hold of you for more information? Well, our main office is in San Antonio off of 281 and Bitters. We also have a website, pontemfinancial.com, P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com. And we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and of course, we have a phone, 210-625-4845 to reach out to a member of my team or myself. Thank you, Chris. Chris Hall is a financial advisor and partner with Pontum Financial in San Antonio, Texas. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA slash SIPC. So let's talk a little bit about what is the difference between discrimination and diversity. You know, we've talked about harassment a little bit. We've talked about discrimination. But what is discrimination, the difference between discrimination and diversity in the workplace? There's a very large and significant difference. And the difference is that with discrimination and harassment, it's a regulation of telling people what they cannot do. If you do this, It's illegal. Diversity is not a regulation. It's an outlook and it's a a thought process that says we welcome all types of people into our work environment. And what does this mean, all types? We already know about race, national origin, age, sex, religion and disability. We've been welcoming those people into our environment not necessarily because we welcome them, but because the regulation says we can't discriminate against them. So the biggest difference between discrimination, regulation, and diversity is that we want people to change their attitude and open their arms and open the employment to people regardless of their personality, their education, their background, 
the culture they came from, their sexual orientation, their political views, their experiences, language, clothing, food preferences, social status, physical appearance, speaking ability, shyness, family customs, values, beliefs, generational differences. You see, those things are not really covered in a regulation that says you 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 can't discriminate. Diversity is the outlook or the attitude of persuading people in their mind that it's okay to work with people who are not like you. Mm, that's different. And that's a challenge because the the thing with most people understanding diversity is that it's just Anybody that is unusual, like I can't envision a banker hiring someone with purple hair and tatts, tats all over them, tattoos for those who don't know what tats are. But, you know, I can't envision a banker hiring someone to be their customer service rep on the floor. That would lend itself, in my mind, as a banking institution. I don't know if I really want to do business with someone like that, whereas with a brewery or a a coffee shop or something like that, that's totally acceptable. So how do you distinguish between the two? I mean, diversity is diversity. Really, uh, what you've just described is stereotyping, Mm. bias, and prejudice. Mm. Now, let me define the difference in discrimination and prejudice. Prejudice is... Something that's in your mind that your your mind is already made up that when you see someone with purple hair, this is a person that doesn't like authority and and uh, is resented by most of the population and is outside of the mainstream culture. You have that in your head to say people that, whose uh, torso is covered in tattoos, including tattoos on their face. Or someone that has uh, six piercings in both ears and their nose and their tongue. This is this is a preconceived, predetermined thought process that you've come to your own conclusions on, and that's what we're trying to get away from. We're trying to say diversity and inclusiveness and equality. Let's go ahead and bring all these people into our world because in diversity states quite clearly that diversity means the more different we are, the better off we are. Mm-hmm. There's a belief on that. Now, not everybody believes in diversity. Uh, some people think diversity is really all about uh, not being a, a rich white guy. And everybody else is okay, but the rich white guy is not okay. Mm-hmm. Now there are people out there that take that. Uh, take that. The problem, though, is bias and stereotypes. A bias is when I see a, a well-dressed person, I assume they're highly educated. They just know how to dress, right? Or I assume that they're they're wealthy. Might not be any connection between the way they dress today and and their their income or their wealth or their status. And so uh, those are biases and stereotypes. Uh, One easy way to prove that we all have biases and stereotypes, uh, Thalia, when when I say the word truck driver, do you think of a man or a woman? 
Uh, well, because I know both, I think of both. Okay. Uh, when I say nurse. Female. Okay. So but I know both. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Things are changing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, years ago, if I had said airline pilot, all the airline pilots were men. Right. So you just naturally in your mind growing up, you were taught that. Mm-hmm. It was your culture that all commercial airline pilots are men. And so when I say the word airline pilot, you pop in men. your head was a man. Mm-hmm. That's a stereotype. Mm-hmm. That's a bias. Mm-hmm. That's discriminatory. And so the difference in discrimination and prejudice is prejudice is a thought. Hmm. Discrimination is always an action. You cannot get in trouble for what you think. Not yet You, anyway. you could be as prejudiced as you want on the basis of race, national origin, age, sex, religion, or disability. But if you ever act on that, that's called discrimination or harassment. And so it's very uh, important to understand prejudice uh, we'll probably never get rid of. The discrimination is what we're trying to get rid of. You acting on that. Discrimination is always an action. Wow. Prejudice is always a thought. Mm. Well, that's good to know to be able to delineate between the two. And the problem and the challenge always is an employer's mind. Am I crossing the line? Which one Am I working with? Which one am I trying to uh, get rid of and create a different cultural environment? Because we know there are some industries that are extremely rigid. You know, they're very cut and dry. You can only wear this. You can only look like this way in order to present the image that we want for security or for trustworthiness or whatever. Then there are others that are more eclectic, more free-spirited type of thing. The government requires employers to turn in statistics. It's called an EEO-1 report. If you have 100 or more employees, you have to turn this in and you have to describe the race, the age, the job title, the pay, and they analyze that. The government analyzes that, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission and the affirmative action plans. And then they will come back at you and they'll say, well, how come you have 12 forklift operators and they're all men? How come you have 15 administrative assistants and they're all women? They're going to come back at you. They're going to look at your own statistics and figure out that you are discriminatory. And so what you have to do, they they don't set goals The government is not to that point yet. They don't say, well, the next three forklift operators you hire have to be women. What they're going to say is uh, uh, that you need to attempt to hire more women forklift operators. You need to attempt to hire more men office workers. And of course, as as more people get educated, those those things are spreading out now, and we we really don't have men jobs and women jobs, uh, perhaps like we used to. Uh, there there aren't black jobs and white jobs. There's not uh, old people jobs and young people jobs, but there used to be, and it was traditional. So back to diversity. The idea of diversity is to to get so completely far away from that that you include 
you get over your biases, you get over your stereotypes, and you you aggressively welcome people that don't fit the mold. And uh, just some other things I didn't mention before, but stop looking at the history of individuals, prison records. Mm-hmm. Let's not hold that against people who served in prison. Let's give them opportunity. Uh, social status, rich, poor, educated, the neighborhood you live in, the kind of car you drive, the clothes you wear, uh, social group interaction patterns, value orientations, language and communication, verbal and nonverbal, family life processes, healing beliefs and practices. Maybe you and I don't believe in voodoo, but maybe it's okay to work with someone who does practice voodoo. Hmm. Why would that be bad? Mm -hmm. It's only bad if you in your mind and your bias thinks that it's bad. So we want in diversity and inclusion, we want everyone to open up and relax and get over some of those stereos and biases, Uh, religion, language, art and expressive forms, diets and foods, recreation, clothing, class status, ability and skills, rights and activism. You know, someone might say, I just hate those women activists. That's a bias. That's a predetermined, you've already, that's a prejudice. You've already made up your mind. If, if a woman is out there holding a sign or marching, that she must be a certain type of individual uh, that's rebellious, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, uh, different backgrounds, different personalities, tenure, seniority, education, the list goes on and on. And what it really boils down to is that you will work with people who are different than you. In the past, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, pretty much everyone at work looked just like you. It wasn't about race necessarily. That was part of it. But even the English hated the Irish and they were the they were the same race. They just had different national origins. Mm-hmm. But they hated each other and wouldn't work with each other and wouldn't hire each other. And they actually had wars and battles between England and Ireland. So it was not a racial thing. Uh, we have religions in the world today where the race is the same. The citizenship, the national origin is the same. But the religion is different. Boom, we have battles. So we have a long way to go in the world to get to get to true diversity, inclusion, and equality. Uh, I'm looking at one of my slides here, and uh, the caption is "respect in the workplace." Keyword respect. Yeah, it really is. Any form of discrimination, sexual, racial, cultural, age, religious, handicapped. We don't tolerate that at work. We, we already have these regulations that says uh, you can't discriminate or harass on these bases. But respect goes further than that. We respect one another because it is the law and because it is the right thing to do. And that's really changing the head and changing the heart. And it is a fact. You will work with people who are not like you. It's called diversity. Wow, that's great. So, Larry, we're going to be summing up our, our session this time today. Is there anything you'd like to add as we come to a close? 
There's a Supreme Court case that's very interesting that everyone will be able to relate to. I'd just like to briefly tell you about it. It had to do with religious accommodation. A lady named Samantha Eloff, who is a Muslim lady, applied for a job at Abercrombie and Finch. When she did her interviews, she wore a headscarf to cover her hair. Well, it turns out that she got through the hiring process, but at the very end, someone at a higher level said, well, actually, we can't hire her. They didn't tell her this, but they told the supervisor that wanted to hire her uh, because we have a rule, and they had a standing rule for over 30 years. No employee can wear a cap, no caps, and you also have to wear Amber, Crombie, and Finch clothing. In other words, you had to be pretty young and thin, and they wanted you to have the look. That was a written policy. And so she was denied employment. Well, she took that. uh, She filed a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission on religious accommodation. And Abercrombie and Fitch uh, denied employment because of her scarf. The company had a policy, no hats, and employees had to have the look. Well, she had a head covering and didn't have the look. She won her case, which started in 2009, it went to the Supreme Court in 2015. Whoa. She received a job. She received $26,000 in back pay. And the company had to modify its dress and appearance code for this religious accommodation. Mm. So that's an example uh, that... Uh, is religious, and we don't hear a lot of uh, religious discrimination. But she won that case. She didn't win millions of dollars or anything. There's not that kind of money in discrimination cases. Uh, But she won the case, and the company had to change its policies because of that. So I've always thought that was an interesting case. Undoubtedly. Wow. So, Larry, how can someone get a hold of you to get some more information on this topic or others? as well as potentially have you come in and do an assessment for them. Uh, Larry Hobbs in San Antonio. The phone number is 210-316-4206. I have a website. It's called Management Resolve, all one word, managementresolve.com. And uh, feel free to look that up, and you'll find a lot of interesting things on my website including about uh, 40 articles that I've written on these topics. Uh, They're short articles, one or two pages, and you can actually read the article by clicking on the title uh, on the website. No doubt. Do you have an email for us? Yes, uh, it's quite simple. Larry.a.hobbs at gmail.com. Well, thank you, Larry, so much for all of your information and wealth of knowledge. We appreciate it. You all have a great, wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Larry. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at And don't forget to check out our website, PlemonsCPA.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio. David B. Plemons CPA Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA Inc. policy. 
Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or their concepts or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of David B. Plemons CPA, Inc. or any of its officials. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.